0: Thank you so much for joining us on Let the Hill Begin podcast. I'm your host Asia, and today we have Ken Stearns joining us. How are you doing, Ken?
1: I'm doing great, Asia. Thanks for having me on as a guest. I really appreciate it.
0: No problem. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so, whereabouts are you from, Ken?
1: Yeah, I kind of say in my bio, I'm a uh, a mid a well seasoned Midwestern kid. So I'm, you know, kind of means I'm an older guy from the from Chicago area. And I've got those Midwestern, I kind of like to think I have those Midwestern values.
0: Okay. So, um, before I go, before I dive into your life. So mm. when you say, um, like, say if there's someone that's listening that don't doesn't necessarily understand what West Midwestern values may mean, what is that to you? What does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, it means that bread basket thing, that kind of, you know, the, I, I think when you wake up early in the morning, you're doing chores before school, you know it's that farm country stuff, right? It's that middle of the country, the flyover states where all the work is done, where the farming happens, where all the food, where all the food comes from. Okay. You know it's that wake up early, do some work, you know, wake up early, do some work, go to school, come home, do some work, you know, and Saturdays and Sundays are working the land and, you know, taking care of business and trying to make a better life for your family. Absolutely. Kind of like, yeah.
0: Um, so let's take it back to your childhood. Uh, what was it like growing up for you?
1: Yeah, good fun. I was the youngest of six, you know, and just had that uh, really lucky to grow up in the 60s and 70s as a kid, you know, because that was the, you know, leave, you know, we don't I'm not even sure we had a, we had locks on the doors, but I don't know if we could find the key. You know, we definitely could never lock the back door. Uh, that was definitely not pa- ha- ever happening. <laughs> there was not going to be, a- I mean, we can close it, but you could I don't think you could lock it on, a day- on a daily on a daily. Uh, well deserved, I'm sure. Quite often, uh, but you know that's just the way it is in a, in a childhood like that. Uh, but yeah, and sisters get along good. Um, you know, I had one sister that was Downs. My third, the one, the the one middle sister was a Downs sis- sister. She ended up in this in hands of the state. Too difficult, too much care required for being at home. Um, and then you know, my older sisters grew up. I just I just visited with my older sister, she's about eight years older than me. And we had some really interesting conversations around our perception of the of life in the house
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what mom was like, what what kind of a parent was mom like? What kind of a parent was dad like? and it's very interesting because she had a different father than i did you know it was eight years later and two boys later <laughs> you know like, like it, you know, you it just where like i think raising two boys probably just knocks the heck out of your your ability to uh to be a parent for very long and so by the time i came around it was just you know it was whatever rules as long as i didn't kill myself you know like you know like you could do whatever you wanted um so it's great fun and good dynamics still good friends with my brothers and, and uh, sisters that's good. Hey, anyway, when I say.
0: <laughs> um, so I know you mentioned that you had a, a sister that was, um, you know, moved around.
1: Yeah, down. Yeah.
0: At what age was she shifted out of the home?
1: Really young, before I was born. I, I think it was quite apparent, you know, I think like a normal baby is okay, but I think once or around one or two, I think she was about two at the time when she when she was awarded, uh, we were taken by the state, kind of awarded to the state because the care is, you know, it's a 24 hour care. Um, yeah. And it's really hard to do inside a house with other, five other kids. It was a difficult decision, obviously a difficult decision for my mom. You know i don't know how heavy that was for her over the years it would be an interesting thing i wish i could have i think i now know more i have more respect for the decision and more empathy for her uh i would like to have that conversation but it's she's she's gone so it's too late but yeah. it's an interesting one
0: absolutely so what was um what was it like while you were like in grade school did you play any sports or anything things like that
1: yeah, there you know I went to the parochial school. So I went to that, you know, the good Catholic school. Mom was a mom was a serious Catholic. And uh I and you know out of out of respect for mom, I was the I I jumped into being an altar boy. So in the Catholic church when you have a mass, there's uh you know a couple of they train now boys and girls to kind of assist the priest up on the up on the altar. So that was a lot of fun, a lot of shenanigans and you know grade schools like that those Catholic boys are naughty, up to no good. And uh, we played a lot of sports. You know, my dad was, my dad had three boys. He was no dummy. It was baseball, basketball, football, gymnastics. Yeah. I think from the time I was at age six, I was in every sport. Pretty much, I was in a sport every week. There was no, there was no break.
0: Wow! Did you have I a never...
1: favorite? I liked baseball a lot. I liked, actually, I liked football at the end the most. Okay. But I was just too small to in for high school. I didn't grow, I didn't I didn't get my growth spurt till college. Yeah. So I was not a high school football. It was a bummer. But I loved I love the camaraderie and the the strategy and the execution, the practice and the mm-hmm. and winning. You know, winning. Yeah. You like winning. <laughs> All
0: right. So how old were you when you graduated high school? 18.
1: 18.
0: Okay. Did yeah. you go to college
1: or what did you do after that? Yeah, yeah, straight to college. So I did, uh, you know, barely, I think I only woke up, I think I woke up around November my senior year and realized that all these people were applying to colleges, you know, and I was just kind of that goofy last kid. And I just, you know, I didn't have to make any decisions in my life ever. Yes. I just followed, you know, people told me where to go, you know, and, and I just followed along. And by the time it's, I feel like everybody forgot me. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden I realized I had to make that first. I was I was a little bit behind the eight ball. So anyway, I did get a, I got into college. I went down to South Carolina uh, from Chicago and I picked South Carolina for five reasons. Drinking age was still 18 at the time. Uh, it was cheap. They let me in. Uh, the weather was warm mm-hmm. and all the girls called me canny. And I I heard that, and I was like, all right, I'm in.
0: So what did you decide to study?
1: Uh, Accounting. It was the, uh, yeah, it was a long, you know, long time ago we had, it was a, you know, a strong recession. And it was Jimmy Carter was president, strong recession. Um, And the only people getting jobs that I could see on my hallway were the accountants. All them, all anybody in the business school, everybody in business school was unemployed, except the accountants. And the only other people getting jobs, well, the doctors, the pre-meds were all going to school, but the lawyers all got jobs and the accountants got jobs. And I thought, why? Well, that's, you know, I'm not that stupid. I was gonna just get into accounting. Yeah. <laughs> and I got into, yeah, I got into accounting. I got the, I made it all the way through and uh, ended up and moved to California when I graduated and uh started a life out there okay and which part of cali did you choose so cal so okay cal. i was in yeah uh, i settled into the into long beach okay so i met my wife yeah met my wife there started a family there all that good stuff
0: so what um what was the driving force like what made you go to cali
1: Um. yeah so i was i graduated And um, I was in a master's program and my sister was living in Huntington Beach and she called me up and said, nobody ever goes to college, to to grad school where they went to undergrad. First off, shouldn't do that. Second off, come out here to California and spend a couple of weeks. You graduated. Good job. Come on out. So I I made my way out there. And about the second day, I called my friend in in Columbia, South Carolina. And I said, I'm getting an 18 foot U-Haul and I'm moving to California. Are you do I need an 18 or a 22 <laughs> he called me back a few days later and said get the 22 I'm coming with you <laughs> oh. so you had a roommate yeah. when you
0: out of there out there you guys yeah. Made-
1: yeah he was my roommate in in college for a couple of years um best friend and he's still in L, he's still in Long Beach but got married got a house got some two kids you know so he's he's I think he's quite happy he followed along. That's amazing. i happy along, yeah.
0: So where'd you meet your wife at? How'd you guys meet?
1: Well, she was bent over the dryer in the laundry room. <laughs> Candy-striped pants. Okay. <laughs> that okay. was it. That was, really? that was it. <laughs> wow. That's Uh-oh. amazing. Yeah, that's a vision, right? <laughs> yeah, we got married, had a, you know, and um, i have two daughters out of that marriage it's really great we're separate, we're divorced now mm-hmm. um but uh it's great great i well, lived married 25 years great time absolutely okay. great great woman
0: well, let me ask you this um with would you guys be married so long um and then divorcing after all that time was it really hard for you or did it take a like a, a major toll on you like emotionally mentally that type of thing i think divorce is serious
1: I don't you know I can't say for five-year marriage or maybe for everybody else but for me divorce was serious um I think you can see it if you're married 25 years it's a bit of a slow train wreck
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know I think you can you can have your doubts and then there's some signs and you know and then there is that self-fulfilling prophecy part where you're upset you're not happy with the way things are going and then you know you'll see things that just that make your case better. Yeah. And I think that happens with both parties on both sides, right? As, as you kind of grow a little distant through time or, um, you know, through ideas around raising kids, it could be any number of reasons, things that happen and, you know, you grow apart, not, not together. And, and I think when you're, you know, two, two different people have their own projection in life and they're moving that in marriage you know, pulls you together, right? That attraction and that love and and then kids and so many things can pull you together. But there's also a lot of pressures that, you know, that are reflecting against you, right? There's also those pressures, which, you know, where opportunities come to come between you, right? And create space. And, you know, I think that's, that's what happens to a lot of couples. Certainly probably what happened to my wife and I, you know, things like I said, things you become unhappy with and you, you know, then you validate that, through over time um, and eventually gets to a place where it seems like the natural thing, like getting married, the natural thing is getting unmarried, right? You know, yeah. like, um, and so that's kind of what it was for us. Um, and we're good friends today. She's remarried, she's very happy. You got a good husband, great guy. And, uh, you know, we're friends.
0: You know, and that's really good. Um, well, first let me ask, was it hard for you guys to work your way into that space of being friends? Or was that just, did it just come natural?
1: Just time, just time, and for sure, her having a her having a partner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's good that you guys are in that space. You know, and yeah. not a lot of people can do that. Um, a lot of people, like when it comes to people, because I'm divorced too, and not to glorify divorce or anything like that. But yeah, a lot of people can't make amends with you know their ex-spouse after the fact. Um, a lot of times it's a, a sneaky
1: situation yeah yeah you know it's there's a lot of personal stuff a lot of emotional stuff uh, there's a lot of stuff going around even could be baggage from your family you know that all these things get stirred up mm-hmm. you have to focus on the future right you, you know what is it going to look like in 25 what do you want it to look like in 25 years? You know, do you want it to be where on Sunday afternoon, you get to come visit the grandkids for dinner, but your wife and her partner is there for breakfast because you two can't be in the same room?
2: Yeah.
1: Or do you want to go to a pit? Or do you want to go to the barbecue all together on a Thursday, on a a Sunday afternoon together like real humans and just recognize that, you know, you guys created these beautiful kids and that was your job in life? and mm-hmm. now you know you've got some different jobs and yep. you know hang out together you got grandkids you're gonna have grandkids together you want to be yep. around as much as you can you don't want to be discounted for because you can't get along with somebody how dumb is that absolutely right?
0: absolutely so once you got divorced what, what did life look like for you then like what did you decide to
1: do well i was um it was interesting so i had moved um Kind of a little, uh, a side aside note, um, after about 20 years in LA, I was an insurance guy and had an insurance career, and I had some interesting background, some skills, and uh, I was recruited to go to Asia, Asia, mm-hmm. Asia with an A-S-I-A, uh, yeah. so the place Asia, so um, I found myself in the family in Hong Kong. So when we when we got divorced, we were overseas, and so my wife came back here to America uh, after a short time, and I was I was in Hong Kong, uh, and kind of a job where you stay in one country, then you fly to other countries to help. Okay. And in this role, as soon as I was divorced, the company was like, "Good, let's send you somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> so they sent me to live in Vietnam, okay. and. And so from 2012, it's about 10 years ago, I moved to Vietnam. Um, Then they moved me to Indonesia. Uh, Then I took a job in Thailand. Then I took a job in India. Then I went back to Vietnam uh, for mostly for during COVID. And then I arrived back in the U.S. last year, last January, a year ago. Wow.
0: Wow. Were those, um, well, which one of those places was your your favorite to live in?
1: Yeah, still Vietnam.
0: Really?
1: I mean, different different places, different favorites for different things. But if I had to go back and I could only, oh, it's a tough call. Vietnam or Thailand? It's a tough call. I really? liked both. <laughs> That's
0: good. I liked both. Was it a big adjustment for you from the U.S.?
1: Um, I mean, yes. I mean, of course, right? You can't you can't minimize it. There's no, you know, they, you know, they don't you don't look. You, everything in your life has becomes new, right? Nobody speaks the same language. Nobody looks like you. So, you know, you're a minority in every situation. You're working in someone else's country. You're a guest in somebody else's country. You know, the food is crazy. You try to drive, you know, you're on the wrong side of the road. The signs are wacky. You know, it's difficult. There was no internet back then, you know, when I moved, surprisingly. And, um, you know, it's... It, it's challenging. And a lot of people do, do fail at it. They cannot make the cut in a way. They can't thrive. Yeah. Some can survive for a couple of years. They can do the contract. They can do two or three years, maybe even five years, but they don't thrive. Yeah. And there is a difference when you get over, when you change everything in someone's life. New dentist, new doctor, new bank, new phone company, new phone uh grocery store changes your food whatever you used to eat guess what 50 percent of that's gone you can't get that you're gonna eat something other you know you're gonna start eating asian food you yeah. like it doesn't doesn't matter because you're going out for work you like seafood don't really care because here's what you're eating you know uh-huh. so not everybody can thrive and uh, and i think i thrived for a walk for for most of the years i really did quite okay
0: that's good what would you say your biggest um what was the biggest obstacle for you to overcome,
1: like moving into other countries? Yeah, as a as a single so once I started moving um around, the single biggest obstacle. Yeah, I I, I don't even I don't even think I look at things like that. Like I don't think I even see obstacles anymore. Is that a weird <laughs> answer?
0: No, that's really good. That's really yeah, good. Yeah,
1: like like I couldn't articulate. Yeah, there's no. For me, it's not obstacles. It's just like it's whatever well, in front of you. It's the next thing you're dealing with, and it's life. Yeah, it's life.
0: And, and so, not not everybody. You know, we may have some listeners that don't understand that. You know, that hmm. you know, do see obstacles. Could you give a piece of advice to somebody to shift, kind of, help shift their mindsets?
1: Yeah, I I think immediately I go to obstacles being something in front of you. You can't see around. Right. And it looks impenetrable. It looks impassable, right? An obstacle. And then so you got to take some time to figure out how to dismantle it. Am I going to go around it? Am I going to go over it? And it stops people, right? It, it literally. So if you, I mean, the obstacle, the word in my mind is, you know, it's there, right? And you, you, it's in front of you. And it's how do you, like I said, get around it, go over it, blow it up. What, what's the strategy? What's the plan? Yeah. And, and I think that for me, I... I've probably always maintained the vision of what's on the other side of the o- obstacle. So I never let the obstacle obscure my view. If, if, if that's a kind of a, a technique for someone to use, you know, because what happens is you refocus on the obstacle and that's when you're dead. I mean, you're done. You've lost, right? As soon as you're focused on the obstacle and then you start talking about it, renew, uh, remunerate, remunerating, remunerate. <laughs> Rumorating. Yeah, mummerate, whatever that word is, you know, you, you just kind of it just keeps going over and over in your mind about it and how you're going to get around it, how it's disrupted your plans and da, da, da. and all of a sudden now you're not focused on your objectives or or the thing you have to do in life. You're focused on the obstacle and that that just absolutely will kill you. Mm-hmm. And and so I'd encourage people to not obstacles are real in, in terms of their things in front of that you have to deal with don't lose sight of where you were going and what you were doing and the energy and the momentum you had on the way and keep that vision of what that thing is and honestly the obstacle will just it'll dissipate
0: absolutely you don't have
1: to blow it up you don't have to dismantle it
0: absolutely it's like quantum
1: physics it's like quantum physics you will literally walk through it if anybody knows quantum physics you got to look that if you don't know Take 15 minutes later and, and just get a simple explanation. But literally you can walk through a wall is the concept. And that's what this technique will do for you.
0: Absolutely. And you know, sometimes we do um, come across, well, I wouldn't even say obstacles. Sometimes they can feel like obstacles, but I believe yeah, that it feels I, like
1: an obstacle.
0: I believe that it depends on a person's mindset. Um, and like you said, yes. they're gonna focus on the actual thing that's in front of them or where they're trying to get to and yeah. what's on the other side, you know. I've the thing that I've learned it to be easy is is really not to even worry about anything. Do what you yes. can and and you know, pray and just keep living, like just keep going, you know, and things yep. usually like settle themselves, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's like you're saying, it's those things of, you know, um, the things you can control and the things you cannot. And if that, you know, I air quote, you know, if if that obstacle is something you can't control, you you can't really worry about it. Right. Just keep focused on what you are doing. What is that thing you're trying to get to? And if that obstacle, you will go straight. If you have an eyeball on that and you don't see the like you see, the obstacle is a change of course direction. That's all it is. It's a note. And you've got moment, Asia. One of the things I have a I have a book I'm working on. Um, it's called Ken's Rules, for lack of a better title. And I'm sure I'll come up with something way more clever than Ken's Rules. <laughs> but one of my rules in life, and these are and the reason I call them Ken's rules are these are these are antidotes and things that I've picked up through the years that I find I can apply to so many of my situations in life. And so one of them is called momentum and it's the rule of momentum and it's essentially you know a, um, an mc squared thing it's it's basically newton's laws and here's a way i explain it if you took a, I, if i took a 1972 f150 ford truck so just imagine this old cowboy truck right 1950 you know 1950s cowboy truck with a trailer hitch and i hooked up an old freight train to it say 20 30 cars I could actually pull that train. I could get it moving. Most people can are like, yeah, you probably could. With a, a good four-wheel drive truck, you could get it going. Enough torque and enough pull. Once that train's moving, I can turn that truck around and I can get nose-to-nose with that moving train. And guess what? That truck's going to be smashed like a, like a Coke can momentum is a powerful thing. So obstacles stop your momentum. So just, just slightly adjust that moment, you know, just a little bit of a adjustment because you can't stop that train. You Mm. guys got to slightly steer the steer the momentum in another direction. Keep that momentum going in life.
0: Absolutely. And then too, like it's, it's a lot of people like when they do have the momentum going, um, Mm. Sometimes, uh, you know, like the um, obstacles are pretty much like distractions, you know, Um, because then they come just become disappointed and discouraged. Yeah. uh, When really it's like, one thing I've learned is like, if I can't do anything about this, then okay, I got a a long list of other things to do, you know? So I'm going to move.
1: Interesting. Yeah, when you stop, and there are times—I think it's a good. This is a good point, right? There are times when you do get stopped, mm-hmm. right? And and sometimes, I think naturally you have to recognize that momentum is not with you. Mm-hmm. That this—that for whatever reason you're you're going uphill, train tracks aren't smooth. Whatever the reason is, all that effort, you got you got the thing going. You got stopped. So yeah, you are right. Put that thing away. Mm-hmm. put it on the corner put it on the shelf for a bit it's all right it, it may not be its time
0: mm-hmm. because you know it's I, it's, it's like I've, I've come to like to some situations that can be quite frustrating you know but mm-hmm. then it takes that self-discipline am i going to let this frustrate me to where i want to just quit life yeah. altogether or am i going to walk away and take a break for a minute and redirect my attention to something else that I can do you know and then when I feel a little levi- alleviated I'll come back to work this thing out you know or maybe mm. it's just time for something new maybe I'm trying to put forth effort into something that's just I've outgrown or is this just not meant for me you know at this time.
1: Oh, this is so funny I just had this conversation I was sharing with you I was with a guest uh for my other for my podcast and he was saying he was talking about how he's kind of he's going through a twelve step program and you know there's a lot of spirituality in that and he was talking about God and his life and and he said, you know I've learned when I do things that Mark wants to do on Mark's time things go bad when I push it when it's not working and I push he goes it goes badly because it's not he goes, but when I let God tell me what to do when I'm following God's like, like when I'm following his direction, he goes, things just go so much easier. <laughs> so what you're just saying is kind of like, sometimes there's stuff we're trying to do because I want to do it, right? And mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Look, if you can't get that freight train moving with your F-150, you know, and you're spinning the tires and you're shifting the gear and you're like, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. you probably, it's probably go pull another train.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I've learned that in my life. Um, With trying to do things that interest just me, you know, because sometimes those things are not what's in God's will for us. So now I try to strictly just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because when he directs our steps and orders our path, it's it's, I mean, it's smooth like butter, you know, it's it's smooth smooth like butter. <laughs> is so smooth and then you don't have all these stumbling blocks or um closed doors. Everything is just like okay. Sometimes he you know may test us to see, you know, because testing, you know, brings yeah, yeah it's a real thing and stuff, which is fine. But you know, at that time we'll have the tools that we need to pass those tests. But for the most mm. part, you know, everything comes so smoothly and it's just like, man, when I put my hands on it, I man, I make a mess of stuff. Mess
1: of stuff. <laughs> so true. <laughs>
0: I really do, you
1: know. It was I was dying laughing when he was telling me the story today. I was just I was crying. It was really a funny funny story. He's a great guy.
0: Yeah. So, with you um what made you come back to the US? Like, did you have the option to stay over in another country or were you just strictly on work?
1: Yeah, I was strictly on I mean, I was on work and you know, I was about 50 I guess it was around 58 and Maybe I'll go back a little bit. I'll go back a little bit because it's intentionality. And and I and I think I want to leave the audience with one thing about you know being intentional in your life and doing things, announcing things and making determinations and being planting your flag and what happens to you when that happens. You know, like the the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, goes to work for you or puts you to work. I'm not quite sure which one it is, actually. (laughs) I think sometimes I was actually I think I was put to work. I I, I thought I was given but I actually now I'm kind of starting to think maybe it's the other way around. Um I was I had some crazy jobs. Um I had some jobs that were all encompassing. You know, you'd I'd go to bed at probably eleven or twelve o'clock at night and I'd wake up at five thirty ready to go. And I was on game, I was you know i was a maniac high performing super super culture corporate guy and then they moved different job like my life changed and they were had been an increasingly crazy jobs to this last one and then this next job was just absolute paradise live in thailand and have almost zero responsibility and my mind opened up a little bit and i was home on vacation and i told my daughter i said look i i think i want to play guitar i want one more try at playing guitar i want to learn how to play i want to commit and i said i want to buy a nice guitar i have a bonus check i got a bonus check in my bank it's burning a hole in my pocket <laughs> and i'm going to buy me a nice guitar but i'm going to give myself 2 years to play and i'm going to get lessons so if I'm going to buy this if I'm going to spend real money on a guitar I need 2 years before I say I quit. Can't quit before 2 years. And I can't quit without the lessons, right? Cuz otherwise I'm not trying. Mm-hmm. And so I and I and I made that, you know, kind of made that contract with myself and I walked into a guitar store in Las Vegas and I walked around. You know, it's this beautiful room, huge room. Guitars 3 4 tall on the walls, in the middle and I'm walking around like a fish in this thing. And after about 20 minutes, I'm realizing I have no idea. I don't even know a left hand from a right hand guitar. I am an, I have, this is probably a mistake. And I did notice this one guy kind of moving around and sitting down in different chairs and playing guitars. And all of a sudden I was, I was like this with me and you, you and I, I was face to face with him. And he's playing this, he's got a guitar and he's sitting there and we're like looking at each other. And I was like, oh, hi. You know, and, and then I just, I just blurted out, this is me, I'm 50, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 52, I was 52 or 53 at the time, I'm like, and I want to play guitar, and, you know, I'm going to get lessons, and, you know, and I don't know anything, what guitar should I get? I sounded probably like I was 12, and he, and he just looked at me, and he goes, get the red one. <laughs> and And I knew he didn't mean the color. I mean, like initially it's the color red, right?
2: Yeah.
1: And I was like, well, that's not, that's crazy. great. That he's not talking about the red. What is he? What? And, and so I. that look at the second look I gave him, he looked at me and goes, you know, the one you can't take your eyes off of from across a crowded room, hmm. the one you want to hold and caress, the one you never want to let go of, he gave me great advice. And I was back in Thailand. A couple of weeks later, I met my guitar teacher. I googled I searched I found this guy I just talked to him this morning for for an hour we're best friends 10 years later he's such a great human he's the bastard child of a Filipino priest wow he doesn't I mean he shouldn't be here but he's here Yeah. he's my angel Um, you know really impactful in my life He told me the third or fourth day we got together, you should write a song, we should write a song, we should write a song, we should write a song. Every other week, we should write a song. Mm -hmm. And finally, I remember one day, you know, I got a book. I have a book drafted. We go see if we can steal some words from the book and make a, a song. And we did. And then the next Sunday, we started another one. And I was like, dang, I can't even play guitar and I'm writing songs. This is cool, this is the best ever. And so I wrote, I think I got two or three songs and and then I ran out of words. I'd only just, this was like a book idea. I had like 20 pages of chicken scratch I wrote on airplanes that I tucked away five years before. So I was like, dang, I gotta start writing the book so I can write more songs because yeah. I didn't know how I didn't know how to write music. I knew how to steal words that looked like songs, but I didn't know how to write a song. And and so I started writing a book. And this was my dear God book, uh, letters to God. You know, where I'm asking God if I if I figured this out. Do I is this correct? Is that correct? And I'm asking God about love and forgiveness and acceptance and you know prayer and and mind um, uh, and karma and service. And hope, faith. So I'm asking all and I'm writing all these letters. And I got I got into the book. And the book ultimately led me to my current podcast. And and it's really changed. And it gave me when I was so back to kind of wrap up your question. About 10 years ago I started the journey. I didn't know where it would go, but I I I was intentional and I and I was. I put myself out there in a way, right? I told people something very stupid in a way. If you look at it from the outside, mm. 52 year old guy wants to buy a guitar and learn guitar. I mean, it's quite frivolous in a way. Yeah. Um, it's not a normal thing you would encourage. Uh, you may not dis- discourage it, but you'd be like, why? Like, well, who we do that. And it was, and I think it was my intentionality of, of, making myself vulnerable and the universe sending that guy. I would have walked out of that store in about another minute if I didn't meet that guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if I didn't meet Alonzo, I wouldn't be doing this. And, and it's just it's kind of these this sequential thing that happens. You're given these breadcrumbs to tell you you're on the right path. And you get sent the right people when you need them. And for sure, Alonzo put in my path, my guitar teacher,
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: uh, you know, now confidant and friend and, you know, partner and everything else, my buddy. And so, you know, you, that's kind of how I started the journey. And I, and I woke up one day at about 58 and I'm like, what's going to be my third act All of a sudden I became obsessed with this, you know, I'm going to be 60 and I could see this job running to 60. What do I want to do when I'm 60? I could double down because my next job is going to be good. Like I have a feeling like my next job is going to be another banger because I floated and I had a killer job. And then I bounced around a little bit and the market was doing some things. And I knew the next role I had was going to be the banger. And so I started writing the book like a madman planning my project And I was ready to get out of corporate. I'd made that commitment. And I wrote a song called Free Man Mm. when I decided. uh, And it's really about, you know, your own dreams as a kid and how they become hijacked for life and other people and sacrifices. And when you finally live your own life, you know, you become a free man. And um, so it's kind of my own little, that was my own little song that I wrote. And when I wrote that, I knew I was done. But sure enough, the universe is tricky, man. I had I had made my decision and I had I don't know if I had told my boss or not yet. But yeah, that email came with the offer for that job. More money than I ever made. <laughs> Bigger title than I ever had. Wow. It was the devil, man. It was absolutely the devil. Wow. Popping up. One more turn, Ken. You can always do your, you can always chase your dreams, but you can't have a corporate job when you're 70.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I said no. Like you said, one thing I've noticed about God too is like when he puts these, like a lot of people don't understand that um, when we feel these desires, these strong desires to go do this or do that, that's usually God putting those desires there. Mm. like. With you, with a guitar, and actually being intentional about that, I believe that that was the starting point of what you know God had for you, and yeah. because He never reveals the whole plan at one time, you know, He just like yeah,
1: yeah. This is so annoying.
0: <laughs> <It's> so annoying. So <laughs> annoying. It's the breadcrumbs. It's like here, take this, and then you know, yes. and, it, and it's, it's it can be really scary because it can be uncertain, um, and you're like, I don't even know what the next steps are. I just know that. I'm gonna take this one. And sometimes, oh man, it can be pretty crazy, you know? And now look at you where you are, you're looking back like, oh my goodness. And another thing too is like, sometimes we take these breadcrumbs or take these steps and we expect Mm -hmm. things to unfold very quickly and God does not work like that.
1: Uh, uh, Yeah, it's interesting, right? There are these, and I think that is that a little bit, no, it's it's not intentional testing, it's just the way it is, right? I'll give you one more, I had this, You know the people you people you meet, and how long the, how big is the master plan? Mm. I met somebody in, I met a glassblower in 2003, in a small village in Indonesia, American guy, and we were like, I had, I had a simpatico with that guy, like an absolute brotherhood, from the moment I met him. No way I could ever explain it. We were just like it was like a it was like he could be my brother. Can't explain it. Weirdest thing. I bought some glass from him. I tried to kind of keep the I try tried to do like a, make a business with him. He blows glass on and and it, like I carried that on for a couple of years. Silly, didn't go anywhere. And then we kind of just became Facebook buddies for 15 years. And what I was doing I was. I had developed a white paper for my for my project, uh, kind of a small marketing paper, and I gave it to somebody, and this guy, we were talking about it, and he used these words, he, he said basically, Ken, I'm reading this paper, and I envision you sitting down with your guest with this bespoke jar, and bespoke is a, means custom, it's a British word, like a bespoke suit, you know, okay. it's a very fine tailored. this is a beautiful piece of a suit, it's like a piece of art. So when he said bespoke jar, I mean, I instantly knew who that, what that meant. That meant I called my buddy Ron that I met 20 years ago. Wow. And the reason I met him, the reason I met him was this purpose. No other. All the other stuff was mean, was absolute gibberish. It meant nothing. This was his purpose. I called Ron immediately, got him on Facebook, went to Facebook, found him, called him. He wasn't where I met him. He was in San Francisco. He was living with his mom. He got kicked out of the country he was in because of COVID. He was in a depressed state. He was very unhappy, very unsettled. He was away from his wife. His wife had cancer. She was going through stuff herself and he was far away, couldn't help her, had no money to send her. Um, and I called up and it was like a, he told me his whole story in 15 minutes. And I was like, dude, I got a bunch of money and I want you to blow some glass. Let's get you back to work. Immediately, like, like the clouds broke, the sun was shining. He was like absolutely fired up and he, he was able, I was still in Asia. He, he was able to make three of the jars. So I hired him for, I commissioned him for four jars. Four is my number. He made three. Boom, boom, boom. And like magic. And the fourth one, man, got in a fight with one of the owners. A kiln blew up on the next one. Uh, COVID restrictions on it. Like he was having the worst time getting the last one done. He couldn't do it. And all of a sudden it was, I was coming home in two weeks. And I was like, wait for me. And so I flew to San Francisco the day, like two days after I got in and went to see him in San Francisco. And I got to film the last jar being made
0: of him. Wow.
1: And, and it was a beautiful piece. And it, it's a great video. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Just showing him blowing the glass. And so I show that to people, you know, they sit down on the, I don't have the one with me, but they sit down in the jars in front of them. And when you see it, you're like, wow, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, it's a piece of art. Um, so anyway, it's that. So st- when I realized, like, are you kidding me? Was I really supposed to meet Ron? <laughs> Is that how this game works? Like, you you're stacking the cards twenty years in advance.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, so that's would like- you end up? Would you
0: end up? How did you end up using the paper? You use the paper. What was that about?
1: Which which paper? The.
0: The paper oh, they- the white
1: paper. Yeah, the white paper. Yeah. yeah, it was mostly because what I'm doing with the jar, you know, I'm traveling to 111 cities. I'm interviewing 444 people um, with 444 questions in a jar. And that was the concept that, that was not my idea, by the way.
2: God. <laughs> I,
1: I don't know where it came. Honestly I, don't, honestly, I don't know how all these things came together where the podcast was born. I'm still struggling with that. And... Um yeah so I just that was the idea. I sorry I lost my train of thought there for a second talking about the the other piece.
0: No, it's okay. That yeah. is that is so amazing. Um what's the name? Have you
1: yeah.
0: have you put a name on that whole project or that Yeah, that it's whole called
1: project? The Jar. Okay. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah, and I mean it's kind of kind of silly that I called it Project 444. For the longest time, and even when that guy said the jar, all that did for me was it made me think of I have to make glass jars, and it wasn't until like I did I did a month in quarantine, and when I I I went to the U.S. back during COVID, you know, and then you come back to Asia, and the country I was in Vietnam had a silly quarantine thing. I was in a hotel for a month. I came out of the hotel. I got back to my apartment, and I think I had taken a nap, and I woke up. And it sat down at the table. I was like, doom. The jar. It's called the jar. Of course it's called the jar. And the jar was born right there.
0: Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you know, it's crazy because God will birth these major things in us, like, at the drop of a dime. And we're like, I don't even know where that came from. Or he'll just, like, tell you it. Just out the blue.
1: I it's it's a real struggle for me because i know i'm living in the apartment Mm. i'm working on the book i'm filling in the blanks i know i want to travel america but how all this kind of came together dang (laughs) a lot lot of muse when i wrote the book the muse is a real thing Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know being that that angel or your guardian angel or whatever it is, but that person on your shoulder that's that's giving, that's flowing through you, through your hands and through your, you know, it's not you anymore, right? You've tapped into something else. You've tapped into something else. I saw a really good, um, you may not know who Bob Dylan is. Um, Bob Dylan is a, a, he would be, as far as a counterculture, American writer. So an American songwriter, a lyricist. And he he even said, better to be a word man than a bird man. Mm. Meaning your words are more powerful than having a beautiful voice. And I saw an interview of him not long ago, but the interview was very long ago. Mm-hmm. And he said, he he gave a, he was talking about writing and they were asking about how do you get the inspiration? Where do the words come from? And, and he said, I don't know, you know, not for me. And the guy's like, "But you wrote it." He goes, "Well, it came from my fingers, sure." <laughs>
2: and
1: and then he said, then he gave a quote to one of he he quoted one of his verses, mm-hmm. and it it's so psychedelic and beautiful. Like the the verse is absolutely stunning. It's some of the best poetry ever made. Wow. And he looks at the guy and he goes, "You think you think I can do that? You think I can sit? You you sit down. You try to write something like that." You cannot. Wow. It's like, I cannot write that. That came through me. It's not me. Yep. It's so cool to see that guy recognize that. Um, so I had a lot of Muse help, especially when I wrote the questions. I think the Muse had fun As I when I had the book done, I had each each topic has four letters. So I had 48 letters and I put a one I put a letter up on the on the computer. And an Excel spreadsheet on the other. And I I try to find in the letter a question that would be good for my show.
2: Oh, What is it?
1: So what in this letter that I wrote to God about love
2: mm-hmm.
1: and self-love being the most like, for example, the first part of love is self-love. And I talk about that's the most important love. And so what are the things, questions what's in here that I can ask a guest mm-hmm. as a quite when they pull a jar question? So do you love yourself? What is love? Who do you love? When was the last time somebody said "I love you"? When was the last time you said "I love you"? You know, and so all these. So just, I'd I write 444 questions. Wow. I mean, like when you sit down to start that kind of a task, it's it, you know, and then you write 40, and you're like, oh, <laughs> <God."> <laughs> yeah. I
2: feel
1: like I feel like I birthed. I feel like I birthed twin babies. And I'm only and I'm only 44 questions, and I'm not even sure any of the 44 are even good, right? I, I just I wrote them. I mean, it doesn't mean. Get, I mean, I probably wrote 600 questions uh, to get 400 that, that I thought yeah. would be good enough for a jar. Yeah,
0: that is so creative and amazing. I'm telling you, God works mysterious ways.
1: It, and this one for me is just wild, and I've had some cra- I've had some interesting, interesting. Parts of the journey where where I've just kind of gone. Well, I saw what you did there. Yeah. You know, around, Oh, I saw that.
0: And you know what? That, those it's those moments when I say they're, <laughs> such, they're such blessings because when you when yes. Like, oh my goodness! I can't believe you just crafted that like that for that to actually happen. I never would have thought about that. That's genius, you know.
1: Oh yeah. The, oh, I saw that. And you know, people <laughs> and they're over there going. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, along the journey, sometimes God will place these tasks in our path or our path on the, you know, on the way to these tasks. And and as we complete them, like some people won't understand it. You know, if you're not actually on a journey, like you won't understand it, you know, and sometimes we're looked at like we're crazy and, you know, people... Say some wild things about us, but you really have to be, like you said, intentional about where you're going in life. You know, are you accepting the assignment that God has given? Are you really gonna walk in Mm -hmm. your purpose and fulfill what it is that He wants you to do? Um, and once you give that yes, like you have to be intentional about it, you know?
2: And sometimes
0: he can't ask you to do some crazy things because sometimes I'm like, God, that does not make any sense. Like, I'm gonna do it. (laughs) I'm gonna do it, but I just think it's crazy.
1: I, I, this is the real thing, right? Like, all right, okay. It's, if that's what I'm doing,
0: yeah. I for sure,
1: you know, I was sitting in a hotel room about four, 16 months ago. I just landed in the US. I was sitting in a hotel room and I was, you know, I was getting ready to buy a van.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, you know, this is stupid. <laughs> what am I doing? Like, I could be doing so many more smart things with my money and my time. <laughs> but this is guaranteed I'm going to be broke at the end of this. I'm going Not to burn like- all my money. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else is going to happen. I'll probably have to get a job again or something. Like I was going through all the things that could go wrong. Yeah. Let's right? go through all the things that could go wrong. And, um, but you do have it. You've got to have some of that trust, right? You just got to have some trust. And I, I like you coming back to that intentionality and making, I'd add to that being intentional and being vulnerable. I think the two things, I think the first two things of vulnerability I did was the key to the universe lighting my path. Mm. And, you know, where the harebrained idea for the guitar came unknown, you know, (laughs) I mean, it was my third attempt. It's kind of funny. It was my third try though. Uh So that's also an interesting part of the story. You know, sometimes we don't, I don't, you know, how the guitar ended up in my hands twice before. It's interesting. And both times, you know, I lost the way. And I always had that in the back of my mind, you know, for whatever reason. And I just love me I love music and I and I love singing to music and I love kind of songs that are around a guitar. So, you know, for me that was it felt like an easy thought. But again, you know, it, it was a silly idea. It was nothing to do with me. I hadn't played musical instruments since eighth grade, since high school.
0: Mm-hmm. So Mm. but you know a lot of times it it'll, be, it'll be just the fact that you're willing to keep going even like even yes. through the failures or the, the messed up tries the fact that you kept going you know like your willingness to try again you know Yeah. Too.
1: I, I agree Asia I, do, I think it does y- you can't just take one sign and one step you've got to honor I think you have to honor it when you do see it and when you when you feel like you're being spoken to don't don't discount it for you know if it doesn't work out or it doesn't happen right away don't discount it stay open-minded maybe be vulnerable one more time i i like what you do which is just all right god you know let's just be can we just be a little bit more direct here can we have a little (laughs) bit more open and honest communication enough of the enough of the breadcrumbs enough of the sign you know enough about meeting you know meeting the guy in the trench coat behind the theater at midnight (laughs) i'm not doing that anymore (laughs) send me an email
0: yeah, something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> send me something a, a, a letter
0: or something you know sometimes I'm like God you want me to do what go where or sometimes it's like okay I, he'll have send me somewhere I'm like okay I'm here like I, what is it like you know what are I'm you ready to you know and <clears throat> he makes it fun though you know because it's like you never know sure. you never know what, what he may have you walk into and then too like in the different people's lives that you you meet you know you get to meet some amazing people along the way um,
1: yeah
0: and you just get to it's different you know
1: and you'll be a messenger sometimes I think you you have if you get lucky you're going to be the messenger
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and I had that chance one time during the journey Um a bunch of time I had a a good friend from, from a work friend, a good work friend from Asia. And this individual was highest performing executive I've ever worked with. And a CEO of CEOs of CEOs kind of person. Multi, multi-billion dollar company. And hard as a Marine. Hard. Soft-hearted, self-described soft-hearted, but nobody ever really believed it. Right. Like he self described softy, but <laughs> now he's like hard as stone. Right. And he lost his daughter to a rare brain cancer what? 30 years old, 28 years old, and just gone and died in his arms. Wow. He made the trip back. He was in Asia. And, you know, he came back and man, he worked. I think what he told me was what I found out now, I visited him. I visited him in, on my journey, and what he told me was when he came back, when, when after that happened, he quit. He went home. He went back to office and said, I, "I'm done." You know, start the start the planning. And so it took eighteen months for him to, to exit because of the because of his role. But when he was done, he was done. He was done with corporate life at the peak of corporate career at sixty two years old at the top of his game. And again, like me, he could have gone to the next job and the next job. He literally could be still working today, making many, many millions a year, like mega millions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but he quit everything. Just him and his wife in North Carolina, and I visited them. And when I and I was there, and I was quite, you know, it was interesting. We went to lunch, and I was in the back seat, and I was presented an image, truly presented an image through the the two seats was a square, almost. And on the other side of that square was the gear shift and her hand and his hand. Mm-hmm. They're 60 years old. They're kind of newlyweds. It's like puppy love. <laughs> it was like public display of, of affection kind of stuff. It was like, who does that? Like, yeah. oh, my God, that's weird. <laughs> You're 60, you know? Yeah. You can't be in love like that. And, and, they, and they are. And it's the cutest thing I'd ever seen. I was like, by the second day, I was like, I, I, I hope I can, I hope I can have a love like that. Like, who doesn't want a love like that? Mm-hmm. So the the day before I left, I brought my jar, one of my jars, in, and I said, I want you guys to see what I'm doing. I want you to see a jar and pull a question for fun. My buddy pulls a question: Can love be felt through the touch of a hand? What? I'm like, get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. and, they look
1: at e- and they look at each other and kind of giggle because it's their love language. Touch. Yeah. And and I was like, dang, man, that's so cool. I mean, yeah. that's kind of, but that's maybe kind of random, but not. I know it's not random. Right. <laughs> Two days later, I interview a guest and, you know, I have these jars and I and I set them on their side. And I put the opening in front of the guest. And so for me, I see the back. And on this guest, first, first, the first day back to work after visiting my friend, what's the question on the bottom of the jar facing me? Can love be felt to the touch of a hand? Wow. And I'm like, dang. <laughs> and so fast forward to the next interview. I'm telling the, I sit down with the guest, and I'm like, you will not believe what happened this last interview. This crazy stuff happened with this question. And she's like, wow, that's a cool story. I'm like, yeah. And so, third or fourth question, she gets, the, fell the touch of a hand. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, that's, I mean, there's 444 questions.
2: Yeah.
1: And and so that's kind of unusual for it to, to be present three times in three scenarios. Mm-hmm. She tells a story, this guest tells a story of her daughter, I'm sorry, her mother um, going through hospice at home, and she passed away of a rare brain cancer. And I wrote the name of the brain cancer down, and when I left the interview, I got in the car, and I checked, and I'm like, I I think that's the same brain cancer as my friend's daughter.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I sent him a message and I said, "Hey, is this the you know is this the isn't this the cancer Sally died from?" And he said, "Yes." I'm like, "Hey, that's weird." I sent I sent him another note and I said, "Just you know, love me, love your brother. Um, you know, I just interviewed this person today and here's what happened. He, her mom died of the same cancer as Sally, and she also drew the same question. It's a little." Just want to let you know. Just want to share with you. And he sent me a note back and said, today's a really hard day. It's Sally's birthday. So that to kind of frame that, I was shown a photo of him and his... I was shown a, an image, presented the image of him and his wife holding hands. Then the message, then the card got drawn. And love me felt to the touch of a hand. And then I was shown that image in the jar facing me just to be sure in case i was slow (laughs) and then to interview somebody whose mother died of a rare brain cancer and i happen to interview that person on the same day as this guy's daughter who also died of the same rare brain cancer i mean if that's not the daughter if she's not reaching out through the jar and saying, Dad, I felt your hand. I know you love me. Wow. It's not, I mean, that's not that. Those are not random events. Wow. There's no There's no amount of, you know, I've played the lottery a lot, and I, I don't even ever get three numbers <laughs> on, on a $10 ticket.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, like a lot,
1: that's like hitting the lot. That's like hitting the Powerball two weekends in a row. Yeah. The odds, the odds are unbelievable.
0: Absolutely. Because you know what? I I always say there is no such thing as a coincidence. Like
1: there's no such thing as a coincidence. Absolutely not.
0: Everything happens on purpose with a purpose. Like isn't, it's, you know, it's no such thing as a coincidence. There's it's no randomness, you know, it's nothing but God, like, you know, sending a message that is something else that's the those are the type of ways that he he works you know what's the odds
1: (laughs) (laughs) what are the all of that and all of that had to happen in such a weird like in a weird when she said that that her mom died of a brain a rare brain cancer it was like i was so trepidation like can you tell me the name of the cancer? And as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, I'm like 99% sure. And I was like, I was having serious goosebumps in the meeting. I'm like, I feel like she's in the room. I feel like she's trying to tell her father. Wow. Like he needs to let it go. He's okay. He did a good job. Yeah. She knows, yeah. you know?
0: Wow. So, <clears throat> um, So are you still traveling with the jar?
1: I'm on city number. I'm on the 89th city out of 111. Uh, I just passed. Uh, I think I've just done interview 300 uh, on the road. And you know, I do these in people's homes. You know, I go to people's houses and we sit down at their kitchen table or whatever table they've got. Sometimes I sit on the floor. You know, yeah. I we don't we don't curate the interview, so. I've been to every kind of place you could imagine. I've been to halfway houses, flop houses, heroin places, recovery places, mansions. Wow. How do
0: you find the people to interview? Do they just come to you? Do you just stop people and ask them? Facebook. Really?
1: It's it's like the master just put a little bit of a paid ad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do a little bit of LinkedIn. Sometimes, mm-hmm. Like today I, I was short some guests here in, in San, uh, um, Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. So I put my own LinkedIn ad and ad, but I just put a post. I have mm-hmm. a number of followers and I got, and I got a guest wow. right away, right away. Just reaching out. I do pick up people in bars. As I like to say, I have uh, a, I have a really clever business card. Okay. Um, I not we're not going to be able to get a, a good visual. Oh, a little bit. Oh, it's maybe I'll bring it the same as my face. No, oh, no, it'll never work. Um, if I unless I take off and take off my um blur. Oh, yeah. So I've got um, here we go. So I have a, a clever thing and it's it's on one side, it's a question. Okay, So it's a business card, it's, it says Ooh. the jar, and, and this question is when was the last time your heart was broken? Wow. And on the back is my, my business. So you can find the jar and everything about us. So, you know, example, like when was the last time your heart was broken? How can we help people open their hearts? Is there someone to whom you should apologize that one person you can't help, but think you did wrong? Wow. What truth have you found in life through prayer? Mm. so like you said there's a really these are all and the fun part about it asia is i you know, i think um two things i recognized i was not an interviewer mm-hmm. i don't have any professional experience i'm not a media person and and i and i'm honestly i'm not i'm quick-witted in some ways
2: mm-hmm. but
1: in my own head if i'm spinning it it's fine If I'm listening to somebody and spinning a quick, like, and and be asking questions, I didn't feel I was very good. I I didn't think I was going to be, I thought I could become a good interviewer, but I was not going to be a good interviewer in the beginning. And the other one was how to get into a deep conversation with somebody. Because, you know, how to get into that deep part, drag people into the deep waters, like you. I mean, it's like, how do you get into the good, heavy questions without saying, you know, hi, and how are you? <laughs> I get to know you before I ask you, you know, have you, how many times have you murdered people? You know, how long how, how long can before I can ask the question everybody wants to know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And and I thought these questions in the jar was a clever way to do it because I don't ask the question.
0: That's real good.
1: And it's your question. Yeah. And you and you pulled it. Yeah. Now I might have written it. Well, yeah. actually, I didn't write it. The Muse wrote it. So I'm totally I'm totally innocent. Uh I was just acting on the Muse's instructions. But it's your own question. And and, and so the, the questions can be, you know, heavy, The first question's I'm, I call it insta insta regret. Because oh. you know the, everybody's all excited. I'm on a podcast and yeah. <laughs> the jar and I got headphones on and oh good, get it, get, it, get it, you know, and then there's this beautiful jar, yeah. and they reach your hand in there, you know, yeah. and then they get this, and then they get that question, you know, like this first question, they're like, and their face is so priceless. The first question, because they're like, oh my goodness, did I sign up for this? <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's an is it really an hour? <laughs>
0: questions do, do they, does each person
1: pull? Yeah, they get about, on average, about 20. Okay. Right around 20, 22 maybe seems to be the average. And um, I've had, you know, people 30, 40, you know, yeah. the more, they kind of, they're, they're a little bit more, they don't go as deep into a question or they may, may not trigger, you know, kind of a story. I had taken a long break for a while and around Christmas and I was pretty worried I was having some trepidation coming back. I was like, "Have I lost it? Mm-hmm. Will the joy? I was afraid the joy would be gone.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I'm also when 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 I'm across a guest and we're set up and we're ready to start recording, I'm excited. Yeah, because I don't know what's I don't know what's going to come up, right? And and I thought, man, I, am I going to lose it? You know, if I lost the that curiosity. Yeah. and great the two things I promised myself I needed to do to be st- to be grateful and to stay curious
2: yeah
1: otherwise I would be not a good I wouldn't enjoy myself and I wouldn't be a good host yeah. and if I lost that I, I should quit um, yeah. and I was afraid I was having a little bit of a come to Jesus moment I was like man I hope I you know when when this thing starts I hope I I hope I I hope I like it yeah yeah <laughs> and then I got sent the best guest. Yeah. Six questions six questions he got through. The first question was, What's the color of your heart? Wow. And he he looked, he looked, and he said, Wow. And he's like, that's profound. He set the card down, he looked at me like right in my eyes across the table. He goes, Let's talk about color. And he went on a 20-minute side road about color and light and and man and he brought that whole thing back to talk about how it impacts a heart and how it's related to a heart and you know when he finished the thing i was just i think i was kind of trying to pick my you know pull my chin back into my mouth and just kind of going oh i'm so back i love this job (laughs) like I just spent 20 minutes, I just got educated. I mean, I just got literally an education from a very smart individual, like a very intelligent person about color and heart and, you know, emotion and energy and vibration. He was, wow. I was like, that's the best question ever.
0: Wow. So one last question before we um, close this up. So if people want to um tune into your content or like follow you yeah. on the platform, reach out to you, how can they reach you outside of this?
1: It's it's really easy, Asia. Just uh, go to thejar.live. Okay. So it's that www thing and thejar.live. And you can use or just Google the Jar podcast. And no and maybe you have to add my name, I don't know, but we got a pretty decent because you know, we got so much content up there. Um we got a pretty decent uh traction.
0: That's amazing. I'm going to follow it. <laughs> yeah. Listen to
1: some of this. If any of your guests or any of your listeners are in um, Arizona, California, or Nevada, or Oregon. So basically, the, south, the Southwest and then Cali. Um, those are the states that I'm in. I'm uh, traveling to. I'm in New Mexico now, so I don't know when this will be released, but probably by the time I'm you know in Arizona and California. So anybody in California, for sure. If you're listening... Follow the jar, send me a message, tell me you tell me you heard heard uh, you heard my story on the podcast and, and I'd love to sit down with you. And then you and I can get and then the guest and I can get back on Asia's show to talk about it.
0: You sure can. You welcome back anytime. Yeah. I might have to come out to Cali to, to check you out. I've never been yeah. to Cali. I've never been out there.
1: Oh. Oh yeah. No, it's good. It's I mean, well, it's you know, it's Spots are spots are less good than other spots, but it's it's still a great. I love California still. It's a great, it's a beautiful state. It's really a beautiful state.
0: So for somebody like being a first-time
1: visitor, where would you recommend? Hmm. Depends what you like, right? Mm-hmm. It depends what you like. What would you and I think everybody will have some idea of what California means to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some people it's the you know, it's the beach life. Uh, some people It's kind of like To go see the Hollywood thing The celebrity thing um, Some people It might be The weather Right Or take in Some of the culture The food culture The Spanish You know The Hispanic food culture And that part uh, Or the You know The I mean We've got great There's a, a lot of places Have got great um, Parks And, and um, Like amusement parks But California's Got some good ones And then also Nature man Mountains are cool The desert's cool so I think it would depend, you know, if, if which one of those things are you, you know, you want to come out and you want to hang at the beach or you want to see museums or you want to, you know, take in a baseball game at Dodgers Stadium, you know, you, um, or you want to, you know, you're going to go see. I'm,
0: really, I'm not really concerned with the whole Hollywood thing. I like nice views, um, good food, um, and anywhere I can see and learn something new. Like I love new scenery. Um, yeah.
1: Things like that. I think San, Fr- San Francisco still to me in the summertime, all the way up till September, even in the winter, because you you know it's still warmer than the than the East Coast in the north. San Fran, you know, there's there's some the homelessness is still there, but you're seeing that everywhere, yeah. so it's not like you're not going to see that in another city. But San Fran's still beautiful. I mean, really? you, you can't. Yeah, it's a cool city. The food's still great. Um, I I I kind of I love that part. San Fran's beautiful and northern San Francisco like in Napa and everything else if you if you you know if you have fancy wine and food that's beautiful up there the redwoods really? that coastal area uh-huh. awesome awesome
0: and you can do out. all the
1: city stuff in San Francisco and just go over the bridge and you're in the countryside
0: wow yeah. I'm gonna
1: have to check it out yeah it's real well, I'll be there I'll be there around November Okay. And I will man, okay. And how long are you gonna be there for? Uh on my the good news is I've just finished my whole plan for the year all okay. the way till about December. So if you if you do go on the jar.live website, okay. uh, there is a there is a where's can or follow Ken. Okay. Link. okay. And I've I've mapped out my trip on a thing called ro- uh, road trippers. And you just click on the link and you can see where I've been, what dates, where I'm at now, and you can follow the rest of the journey. Every five days, every five days I change cities. Oh Wow. That's
0: amazing. That's amazing. Oh, I know. It's
1: a, it's a, it's a thing right now, Asia. It's a crazy life I'm living. And, you know, like I said, if I find, if I find the person who gave me this idea, they are in real trouble.
0: (laughs) You know what? At least you're living, at least you're, um, living like a free life and you're not tied down and you know you're actually happy meeting new people seeing new things
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so that's amazing
1: i don't think i have any regrets right i, I think I, when i when i do die mm-hmm. i will be able i will be i won't be one of those people saying i wish i'd mm-hmm. not taken that last corporate job i might have some other i might have some other wishes mm-hmm. um But I don't think I will regret doing this. And I don't think, you know, and I don't, I I think I will have done that one crazy thing that people wish they had the courage to do.
0: Yeah. That's amazing.
1: I'd encourage anybody, follow your, follow those signs, follow your heart,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: be vulnerable and be intentional. That invulnerability and intentionality, for me, looking back seems to have unlocked the magic sauce of the universe
0: that's amazing well thank you so much again like you are more than welcome anytime to come back thanks Asia and join us Um, thank you everyone that tuned in and listened or watched um, please head over to www.greatergrowthllc.com and support us on the t-shirt and um, hoodie store. You can also head over to um, Amazon uh, and purchase mm-hmm. a copy of "Back in My Day" by Asia Wilson. Um, and until next time, thanks. Uh huh.